Okay, welcome everybody to episode number 16 of the Cyril Lab podcast. I am beyond excited to welcome the uber-talented, super-gracious, Grammy Award-winning songwriter, producer, and activist, Autumn Rowe. She has penned records for the likes of Dua Lipa, Zendaya, FK Twigs, Leona Lewis, and John Batiste, to name a few. Her work with John Batiste paid off and led to her winning a Grammy for Album of the Year and a nomination for Record of the Year for the song Freedom. And this was in 2022. Was that 2022? He won last year. Yeah. Yeah, 2022. Yeah. So this is recent. Um, and I, as many of you know, I work in music and I still don't think I've had enough guests uh, who work in the industry that I, that I um, you know, have had my career, I've spent my career in. And so, you know, I'm just more, more than excited to, you know, be able to have a conversation with someone that I have known for a long time and I've known about her work and now we can really have a, um, we can really talk to her about what her career journey has been like. Um, so yes, so welcome Autumn. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited for your new venture here. Thank you, thank you. Um, okay, well, let's jump into it. So usually I like to ask our guests what they call themselves. I think often we're given titles and I did already introduce you with you know the titles that people know you for, but um, we assume these titles, but they don't always encompass everything. Uh, so I always just like to ask, our guests, for you to tell me what you consider your title to be. Um, I consider myself a music creative um, more than, I mean, I guess a songwriter first, but uh, I kind of do so much more than songwriting. Um, so I just go with like music creative because I feel like what makes a long career is doing what needs to be done. And whether that's in a room that needs lyrics or room that needs melodies or a room that needs production, a room that needs vocal production, a room that just needs a good vibe, um, a room that needs a friend, whatever that is, um, you know, I've done everything from vocal coaching. I coached the X Factor for five years, uh, sorry, one year AGT for five years. Um, I've consulted for labels, for artists, I've developed artists. Um, you know, and I also write songs. So it's kind of just this constant uh, evolution of what needs to be done as music is changing and also as we are growing as creatives. So um, I just kind of go with like music creative. <laughs> I love that explanation. You, you explained it in such a, it almost seems obvious, but it's not obvious. Going in to do what needs to be done. I don't know if people in general approach things in that way, but I think as a creative, that is so important is to recognize, okay, what am I gonna bring into the space and into this room and what's needed? Um, and I think that that's how you really, I mean, 
whenever you speak to creative, you know, songwriters, people who um, collaborate, there's, I think that, and they've been successful. There's like certain things that they'll describe in terms of what their approach is that, that helps you to see like, oh, I see why they have been successful. I see that it's literally like a certain approach and, and mindset. And I think even just you describing that is like, you just said something that's like one of those, it's like a gem, you know, that people, somebody could like, I always say with these episodes, people need to be ready to take notes. Cause even just something as simple as that going into spaces with that mindset is like, that's everything. That's everything. So I love that. Um, so I always like to start off also by talking about, talking to guests about their upbringing. Um, I always think that that also impacts uh, the the choices and the, the journey and maybe some of the things that they might gravitate to or some of their interests. So uh, I want to start off by asking where you grew up and what your upbringing was like. Um, did you grow up in a musical household? Were you surrounded by the arts? Tell me about it. Um, I grew up in the South Bronx in the 80s. And um, it was pretty uh, tumultuous. Uh, this was in the middle of like the crack epidemic. Um, I grew up, yeah, I mean, it was, my father was a drug addict and my mom raised me by herself. Um, so I had a really, really hard life for a really long time. Um, but I always knew writing was kind of my way out um, and my, my way of expressing myself. I loved writing at a really, really young age. It just was something that made me really happy. And I loved music. Um, so I would just write like poems. I would write all kinds of things. My mom plays like kind of folky acoustic guitar. And my father, um, he was musical. He played the flute. And he was kind of one of those people who could just pick up an instrument and just know how to play it. Wow. Um, so I pick up a physics book and just understand it. Unfortunately, he just had an addiction which was stronger than him. Mm -hmm. He never fulfilled any of his potential. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I grew up incredibly poor mm -hmm. and it's just kind of this like do or die mentality. Either you're gonna stay here or you're going to do everything you can to never be here again. Right, right. From a really young age, I watched my mom waitress, um, save up money, put herself back into college. Uh, you know, then we moved to the projects. Like my mom did everything by herself. Mm hmm master's degree my mom would take me with her to city college I was like five and I would sit in the back of the classrooms listening to four-hour lectures um very quietly because I knew there was no space for me to act up <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. um and I just learned at a really young age like you know women need to work really hard right that just was super instilled in me and you can do whatever you want if you work hard. So I just always knew that. Um, and I think that really shaped me to be incredibly ambitious. So by the time I was 16, um, I went to high school in Times Square. 
I was like, okay, I'm old enough to take the train. I'm old enough to get internships. I'm old enough to meet people. Mm-hmm. That's when I started going incredibly hard. Like that's when I was interning for Island Records. I was um, in like four choirs at one time. I was the most hustling hustler you will ever meet. I was like talking to Jay-Z in the street. I went up to Jay-Z. I went, <laughs> I went up to everybody. I was like- That's so New York. Yeah, I was with my backpack. I'm like, yes. oh, I want to be in music. Like what what I got, like who I got to talk to, how I do this. Like I was just- uh-huh. Cards, you know, you couldn't tell me nothing, though I knew nothing at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm great. Like, I had a really, really, really hard life. But, like, um, it definitely pushes you to 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 work hard and fight. When did you realize that the writing that you were doing was songwriting? And when did you realize, okay, this is something that I can turn into a career like what the, the what I'm actually creating is something that I can do in a professional way. And I want to now start going after this. I didn't realize I could make a living as a songwriter till later. Like, so I started when I was 16, really pursuing music. And I was in a girl group for mm-hmm. a few years and I was in a band. Okay to Swiss Beats for um, for years and um you know we were like a gigging New York City band um and Wait, you were in a band with Swiss Beats I we were working with him so he was oh, like, okay. like developing us okay you were in the girl group that and uh he was developing the girl group no, okay. I was in a girl group uh-huh four years we broke up and then I became a front person for a band okay and we met Swiss Beats and he was developing us as a band for a while. Okay. So as a band is where I really started writing because I would write our songs. Okay. Okay. So I would write always um, to guitar or bass and we would just write, jam and write songs and then we perform them like every week uh, huh. for $100. And <laughs> but it was fun. Perform where? Where were you performing? South Street Seaport, the Canal Room, um, you know, the Grove, Cafe Wa, like the pianos, all over everyone, anyone or anyone who will have us. We prefer, we performed at um, a church every weekend. Uh, We performed anywhere where there was an audience. (laughs) Literally anyone, anywhere. No fee was too low. We just really love playing together. Yeah. And um, we were just such like music geeks and we had, we were just really great friends and had a great time. So it was just fun. And I look back at that time and it was like in a way really innocent and, and so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we were just so happy to play, you know, like even though we, there it was never really going to go anywhere, but um, it was such a beautiful time. So yeah, like, Wow. Well, I forget your question now. Um, well, I was saying at what point was your, um, did you just like your songwriting, right? You songwriting, like, you know, for yourself or like by yourself, when yeah. it's 
turn around and turn into something where you said, okay, this is what I want to pursue. But you you did explain that. So, um, but I have I have questions. So how did you actually end up meeting Swiss Beats? And obviously this was years ago. So Swiss Beats was also, it was also earlier in his career. I mean, yeah, he already was like very, very, very huge. He's already okay. worked with like Beyonce and- Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, okay. So this was like what, in the 2000s, like mid between 2000, 2010-ish mm -hmm. around that time? Okay. So I, this was at literally, yeah, I kind of, went a different way in 2010 when I met Stargate. Okay. Um, so this was up to 2010, like 2007, maybe 2007 to 2010. Okay. Did so we, so we, what was the name of your group? It was just Autumn, Autumn Band. Um, and we know, never met in New York. Did we ever meet? I, it's so, I feel like it's so. I don't but I thought, yeah, we ha we must have been circling each other because everything you're saying, I don't know. I just feel like, especially when it came to producers in New York, um, I don't yeah. know. I feel like I would come across a lot of the same, like, you know, a lot of the up and coming artists. Yeah. Uh, a lot because at a certain point, I felt like I almost knew everyone because this was probably earlier than the time you're talking about. But when Pharrell wanted to put a girl, he was working on putting a girl group together. I had a few situations where I had to help put girl groups together. So I feel like right. doing that, I ended up, you know, coming across like every I had a producer, Scott Jacoby, who did that whole album. I never put out the album. And um like I didn't have many people to work with. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I wasn't like super in the scene, but so I had my band and then I was, what was also the Oh, you're already at that. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I'm a working artist. So I also was singing backgrounds for like Star Search or Dancing with the Stars. I was doing a lot of the background vocals for those shows. Mm -hmm. I was doing a ton of jingles or whatever studio sessions would pay me to sing. Mm -hmm. um, I was in wedding bands. I was, um, I was singing backgrounds on like Jimmy Fallon, uh, Letterman, all those shows. Um, and, you know, I, I really wanted to be a writer and... I was entering all these contests. Like there, there, there used to be these things where like you pay $25 and you could attend event, an event where, where there's like four music supervisors and you, you get to submit one song. Hmm. And I would just hope that they would like my song and like want to put it in something. Uh -huh. you know, and I just walk away so disappointed. Like, oh, no one want to put my music anywhere. Like, what am I doing wrong? I wish I would get some advice. You know, I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, that's how it is in the early years, you know, but, but you were doing so much. You were putting yourself out there a lot and you just kept going. I mean, going to those conferences, if you found out or those, you know, those events, you find out about them and you were going, you were showing up and, oh, yeah. and even in doing that, that's how you're learning. You're like, okay, these are the ones they are choosing, or this is, I'm getting feedback. So even in all those moments, you're still like, those are all the years of development. Like you're getting clearer and clearer, getting more information, helps you make decisions going forward. You know, all of that, all those things help you if you're taking the information in, you know, and you're, you want to keep going. I think sometimes people respond differently um, to maybe not getting the yes, but it just means, okay, good to know for the next time <laughs> instead of, oh, I'm not good, you know, so- 
dollars. Oh man. You said what? <laughs> I'm out twenty five dollars. Right, right, right. A lot of money when you don't have any money. It all matters. Yeah. Every cent. Every cent. It's all an investment in in yourself, but you it really makes you think hard about everything, all those decisions. Like, is this worth it? I need to make it worth it. Started talking about working with Stargate and all, for the for the listeners. Um, uh, can you also talk about you know some of the artists they've worked with? They've obviously had like such a big impact in music in general. Um, you start talking about working with them. And then also, can you talk about some of the milestones that you started to have in the early stages of your career? Like just the turnaround moments, like, okay, this is starting to go in a promising direction. Yeah. So um, I started working with Stargate, who are two Norwegian producers. Um, they are responsible for a ginormous amount of pop music. Um, Rihanna, Beyonce, Irreplaceable, Only Girl in the World, Black and Yellow, Wiz Khalifa. Like the list is ginormous. Sam Smith. Um, and they had they had a tremendous amount of success and were just starting a publishing company and were looking to sign their first female writer. And I became that writer. Um, and that's major. Yeah, it is to have them believe in you is a big okay. deal. Yeah. You know, at the time, so they, they signed me based off of, I wrote to an instrumental that was out for a couple years by um, a DJ called Dead Mouse, and I cut it up and wrote a pop song over it. And that became the first single for their JV with, with Jay-Z um, called Star Rock. And they signed this artist called Alexis Jordan off of YouTube. And the song was called Happiness that became her first single, which also became the song of the FIFA World Cup. Um, and that that led to me signing my first publishing deal. And, um, you know, this was like 12 years after beginning in, in saying I want to make it in music. That was like my first break. Yeah. Um, um, really, really a long, long journey. Long journey. I know we kind of jumped into that but was is there anything that happened or are there some things that happened prior that we might have skipped yeah so from from being from pursuing an artist career in a band to then making a transition to write incredibly commercial pop songs is mm -hmm. a really drastic shift okay okay the music i was doing was a little bit more like soulful pop mm-hmm I wasn't even, sh I didn't even know I could really write pop, pop records because I wasn't doing that kind of music. Um, but, you know, I was doing this band for a long time and there was an opportunity to become a writer. So I said, let me, let me see, can I be a writer? And I wrote every day. Well, I wrote like four or five times a week for a year and built a catalog of songs so I could pitch them to publishers. And um, I wasn't really working with many producers. There was like one or two producers who would work with me. Um, Soul Diggers was one. Oh, yeah. Came back. And um, there was a producer named Gary Haas. And uh, very, very few, very few producers. And mm -hmm. I mostly would write to tracks. So 
I ended up getting my first cut, you know, from a, a track that was already out. And it was interesting because I played the song Happiness for my band. Uh -huh. And I was like, hey, guys, this song's getting some attention. Like, do you think we should keep it for us? And like, maybe we could blow up as a band. Uh -huh. Yeah, give it away. And they were like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'll just give it away. And then the band broke up. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that was the end of the band. And then I said, well, I guess I'm just going to focus on being a writer because this is what's working now. Right. And allowing me to quit my job. And I honestly believe that if I can get my foot in the door in one arena in music, then it will open the doors to do whatever else I want to do later on. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. I fully on that. I'm like, well, let me just be a writer. It's a bit sad because okay. all of a sudden I had this group of people that I was really close with performing several times a week to, yeah. and now I'm in rooms with, with, with no windows all the time writing for other people yeah uh, no longer on stage no longer like an artist um and it was a bit a bit a bit sad for a while like I missed it I missed my friends but I was like I think for the long term this is the right decision for me mm -hmm. it definitely was um but, you know these are choices we we have to make like mm -hmm. that's a yeah that was I'm sure a big transition and because it's such it's a it's two very different things performing for an audience versus working in the studio and crafting a song two different practices we're in such a different headspace yeah um, yeah but it's great because all those years of performing and singing backgrounds and all this other stuff later on in my career really came in handy in so many situations and it all paid off. When you say you were writing, I, I wanted to ask about this. When you said that you weren't working with a lot of producers, you were mainly writing to track, where were you recording? Um, there was a studio in New Jersey I'd record in. Um, I also had my own little home set up. Okay. Out of college after one semester. Mm -hmm. and my mom actually gave me money to have my own home studio okay I had a computer I had pro tools so I could track my own vocals and I could edit tracks at, at my house by myself so I I immediately like at 18 years old started doing that okay that's so important yeah it is yeah. I, I want to feel like especially back then it was really hard for girls and I really don't want guys to like talk down to me. Yep. You feel stupid. Like yeah. you're crying and you're just a young, stupid girl. Um, and try to take advantage of me. And I and I already was going through some of that. So I just felt like let me try to get a little bit more like independent, you know? The times have they were very difficult back then. I mean, I remember as a young female executive or aspiring executive, but a young woman in the business. Um, and you know, I would have my side hustles managing artists and I'd be, and I actually had a, a young female rapper at the time and, you know, just trying to get us, get in the studio, get tracks, do meetings, just everything that you had to deal with in terms of people taking advantage or wanting to take advantage, attempting to, um, or seeing, you know, that you need something, you're in a vulnerable position and, yeah, I mean, it just was not, it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. And it's and it's interesting because you end up having to make certain decisions as a result of that, career decisions. Um, 
which that's something I've thought about. Crazy time. A fun, a funny story, which most people don't know. Um, the first like major executive to to believe in me was Jim Jones. And I, I also wouldn't have thought like I would be an obvious find for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like this 22 year old doing kind of pop neo soul music. Yeah. But he was such a fan. He was such a supporter of my writing. He really was. Wow. Brought me in the office and he's, he definitely freaked me out because as I'm in the meeting, he was ordering bulletproof vests. Stop it. I was oh like, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is a lot. That was a time. That was a time. I, I mean, would love to see him now. I'd love to see him now. I mean, I started, I am a fan and I definitely started liking him more even um, in love and hip hop. <laughs> He's a character, but yeah. you know, he got a good ear because he like, he does. Yeah. Like he was listening to all the lyrics. Wow. I love it. Yeah. He was cool. Never know. Right. Um. So, okay. So this is major, like you mentioned it, but I don't know if like you getting that placement with Stargate that ended up being the FIFA World Cup record is, that's huge. Like, how did you feel in that moment when you got the placement, but then it also be used for FIFA? Like, that's major. How did you feel about that? You know what? I didn't even understand it. And (laughs) I didn't because when the FIFA thing happened like a year after it came out. And at this point, I had never been to Europe before, and now I'm in Europe every couple months writing. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I damn near live in London. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm working with all these artists, and everything happens so fast uh-huh. that World Cup thing happened because I didn't grow up knowing a lot about soccer or football, as we as we say in Europe. Um, I just didn't even understand the magnitude of how cool this was until I got a little older and I could appreciate what's going on. Cause I, I think I was still in my twenties. So yeah. a little bit like, this is cool. Right. And I was such an idiot. <laughs> so dumb. I was in London during the, the, the cup and Alexis performed in Germany. I should have flew over and went, <laughs> but I was, because I grew up so poor and all these other things I had such a hustle mentality of like I got to work every day I got to get my sessions in London blah 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 that's not the right mentality I really should have taken the weekend taken two three days flown my ass to Germany Mm -hmm. taking this moment in because I probably will never have another World Cup song I mean I hope so but like Mm -hmm. even if I do I'll never have that 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 was such a moment yeah song that you wrote a hundred percent by yourself to be like and I just didn't even understand anything for for one I never I at this point I didn't even I never Uh co-wrote I didn't know a lot of people write songs with other people like Uh I had no clue about anything um so looking back there's just so many missed opportunities that I wish I really like smelled the roses Uh uh-huh and I did not. You know, like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. And I don't think that you're even, you would have known at that time. I, I think now you look back and it would have, you would have only been able to look back now, you know, and, and, and like 
really appreciate what that moment actually was and and what it means for your career as a whole. I mean, that's incredible. Like it's still, it's always, you're always going to have that. And that's huge, you know, but sometimes at that age, we just don't realize it, you know, until we realize it's like 10 years later and it still matters (laughs) or like 20 years later. And you're like, oh my God, this still, it gets the same reaction as if it happened yesterday. You know, it's still a big deal. Now coming up, did you work? Did you have any mentors? Let me tell you something. You know how people pray to make it and people pray for success. Uh-huh. Pray. I didn't pray for any of that. I used to pray for mentors. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Part of why I do so much mentorship now is because I did not have access to the type of mentorship that I needed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Women. Um, and women of color, like it just wasn't accessible. Yeah. It wasn't like you can DM people now and you can just, (laughs) right. So much access to like learning. Yes. And it wasn't back then. It was just like shady ass dudes giving you a business card. You don't know how to verify them. You're like, this guy looks so weird. Right. (laughs) It's real. I don't know. And, and I just used to get like duped all the time. Yeah and could not figure so many things out and you know made some bad decisions and i used to just pray for wisdom uh-huh. for mentorship um so much you know there were there were moments like when i used to intern on island um i met drew hill uh-huh. and cisco you know for a moment was like really cool and would like let me call him and ask for advice like there, there were cool little like little glimpses of like, oh, okay, there are some cool people. Yeah. Um, I didn't have like a, this is my go-to mentor, you know, I did not have that. So crucial. So crucial. I feel the same way. And and it does make such a world of difference. I just think back, imagine if, if, if you were faced with, you know, needing to make a decision or any sort of a situation and you're trying to figure out how to navigate it. And I think for, for our industry, it's really hard to figure out how to navigate things because it's all, you're always weighing out, okay, well, there's a potential opportunity here and I don't want this opportunity to just go away. So how do I still like keep myself in the running for this opportunity without giving up something of myself, you know, and like still be able to have my dignity intact. Um, And I mean, those are things, it's sad that we even have to weigh things out in that way. But I've even looked back on certain, and it's the same thing, like, just you think about when you're younger, you don't really, you don't realize what you're maybe dealing like that this is not how things should be but um yeah I I look back and I think about literally why I made certain decisions and it was like oh I don't want to be over there working with these people because they I don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. I don't feel safe or protected so I'm gonna need to make a decision that where I, I it's coming from a place of like I need to protect myself or, which is, again, this, these are career decisions. That's not what I should be considering is like safety, <laughs> you know, but, but you, but you have, but you end up, that's what ends up happening in our business. So I, yeah, mentorship is 
so important. And I'm glad that you're doing it. I, I believe in it as well. And I, I try to do it as much as possible. Um, yeah, because if you can just make it so that the people coming up don't have to deal with the same things, then, you know, you definitely want to do it. Now, I want to ask, I guess, a little bit about just like the actual process. Um, I And you did touch on it a little bit in terms of realizing that you had this ability to, to write these, to write, you know, kind of pop and pop leaning records. Do you associate yourself with a certain style of writing? What's, well, what's been the process these days? I know everyone doesn't always have the opportunity to go in with artists, but you, you've like worked like, yeah, because yeah, I know you, you did a lot of work with the Leona Lewis right were you guys in the studio working together and and with John Baptiste was that yeah um, I mean I yeah. mostly work in the room with artists I'm, okay. I'm a pitch writer you're I'm a what writer I don't really write for pitch much okay okay it's mostly in the room with an artist even if they don't write uh-huh. it's just about like getting to know them and feeling their energy uh-huh I prefer to have them there most of the time yeah yeah so yeah I love having an artist with me and talking to them and trying to tell their story the best way we can and finding finding a great angle that or finding a way to say something that hasn't been said already yeah um, yeah that's that's like my favorite thing to do right um do you write do you typically write on your own or do you have co-writers that you kind of work together with and have like really good chemistry with we do write alone or with the artist. I I have a couple friends that, like uh, Shane Stevens is one. He's a great country pop writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll write together sometimes. But I I write a lot alone. Uh-huh. More than more than co-writing. Wow, that's big. Because as we know these days, uh, the songs that we hear have like so multiple writers on them uh contributing you know even just uh, whatever it is a, a small harmony here or like a couple of lyrics there you know so to be able to write a whole song is especially these days is and for it to be you know for them to really do well perform well and become what they become is like that's a big deal it really speaks to your talent Oh, thank you. I mean, you know, the John Batiste stuff, you know, lyrically, it, that's just John and I. Mm-hmm. Two people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had, you know, Kazo on production. Um, I just I just had a song released with Dante mm-hmm. uh, last week. Um, that was just him and I, you know, in my in this room, I wrote I wrote a chorus, choruses, chorus and some verses, and then he came. He did a bridge and an outro. Uh huh. Um. Off, often, a lot of times, I won't even have a producer there. Another, uh-huh. I'll say, because I can also produce a little bit. Um. Sometimes I'm just like I just want me and the artist and just to talk and like, you know, let's write to a guitar. Let's just write. I can make a little basic track to write. It's all about the song. At the yeah. Beginning. Like, I don't I don't even care about like a big production I just want to make a great song and then let's figure it out later but what right. do you want? that's that's what matters the most like what's your point of view what do you want to say what's your message 
how did working with John Baptiste come about? Um, I DM'd him. I found him on Instagram. Oh, I love it. I love it. He recorded a song I wrote called Sing. Uh-huh. That was another song I did all the top line by myself. And uh, when I heard his vocal on it, I was so impressed. I was so impressed. I just never heard a voice interpret my lyrics and melodies the way he did. And I was really drawn to it. And um, I didn't know who he was. I, all I heard was a voice. I'm like, who is this? Oh. Like months and months to figure who he was, how to track him down, what's his social media. And finally we get DMing and um, I, I went to New York, we met up and yeah, we started writing together. And the second song we ever wrote was was called Freedom. Oh my goodness. That sounds like that was meant to be. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Which is so much, again, that's such a part of this business, I feel. It's like, go, your instincts matter so much. You have to constantly listen to them and kind of allow them to direct, allow your instincts to direct you because you responded the way you felt about his performance, you know, you're like, okay, we, we clearly need to be working with one another and you saw it through and it might seem so obvious to you. Like, yeah, we need to get in with each other, but it takes you making a point of pursuing it and making a point of that, making that happen and you doing it. I think sometimes people might rely on others to do things for them. And that sounds like that was meant to be. Yeah, you can't That's rely. Incredible. I mean, and look what that led to. It led to a lot. It was life changing. Life changing. Um, and changed. and after all these years, I love that. Like you just keep. I mean, that's what it is. You just and and he was. I mean, people knew who he was, but I mean, not in, in the way that he broke out that year. And that album was was a great album. I didn't know who he was. I just heard yeah. Him. Literally a demo. I'm like, who's a singer? I don't know who he is. I have no wow. idea. Nothing about him. I just I just heard a voice and I said I, I know what to, I know how to write for this voice. And that wow. was it. Incredible. And so and then for listeners, that led to five songs out of what 13 songs on the album. The lead single, which was single, which was Freedom. Um and you winning your, was that your first Grammy? It was, and I won as an, a writer, featured artist and um, producer, which made me the second black woman ever to win a Grammy as a producer for Album of the Year after Lauren Hill. What? You, wait, after Lauren Hill. I want to make sure that they heard that. Okay, that's <laughs> amazing. Um, that's incredible. Only what? Eight women in history to win as a producer for Album of the Year. And four of them are artists. Incredible. Incredible. Major. Crazy. I was like, wait, wow. Uh, 22 was a year. And I saw you at the Grammys and you looked gorgeous. You were definitely there for your moment. You showed up for your moment. The way you, as you should have. Because, yeah, you looked amazing. I'll have to repost those photos now. <laughs> it was a lot of work. I know her. I know her. 
Wow, that's amazing. So are you guys planning on doing any more work together? Um, I feel like it's just, you know, it's a, it's a relationship of whenever he wants to, we're working on, you know, we're, it's kind of a continuous relationship of just always creating and then seeing where things land and when it's the right time to release them. Yeah. He's in what space he's in. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and just it's music never ends. So. Right. It never ends. Exactly. Are there any, is there anyone you've looked up to? Are there any artists you've looked up to um, in terms of their style and their, uh, their careers that you've sort of like, I guess maybe patterned yourself after or just are inspired by? Um, well, my biggest inspiration is Stevie Wonder. Um, I just love how he writes from a really honest place. Mm -hmm. mm. Style that is so soulful and joyful and beautiful. Um, he's my number one influence in music. Um, growing up, I was really inspired by Mariah Carey because she was the first mixed person I ever saw in my life, which is crazy. Uh, what? I never saw a mixed person before. Um, really? In the Bronx? Nope. Never. <laughs> well, maybe mixed in other, maybe other mixes? Maybe like Puerto Rican and Dominican. Uh-huh. But I never saw like a white parent and a black parent. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I saw her and I was like, oh, wow, there's like other mixed people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had no idea. Because wow. also representation on TV. Yeah. You know, just, I don't know. It was just a different time. Right, right. So I, I loved how she like also was, you know, she identified with how she also was like really poor as a girl and worked really hard and made something of herself. So that was really inspiring to me. And I, I really, really loved her music. Um, I got to meet her last year, which was such a cool experience in like in her house, which was so amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, like, you know, I feel like now I'm constantly inspired by other women in the industry, like just seeing how from when I started people even like yourself from when I started people were doing this and that we're still here you know that we're still here despite yeah despite all the challenges and despite um the ups and downs and how you know it's really like a lot is stacked against us but the fact that we're still here I think is a big triumph and needs to be acknowledged and celebrated because it's there's so many easier ways to make money and so many easier ways to make a living than the music industry. I know. Listen, you are preaching right now because yes, it is it is a triumph. It's mm -hmm. it's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's a lot of uh continuously evaluating how much you want to do this, like mm -hmm. how much you love it. Thank you for saying that <laughs> you are known um, as an outspoken advocate for songwriting, songwriter rights and for women in music. What made you feel that you, it was important for you to use your voice 
Uh, as we know, there's many people in this business and everyone doesn't necessarily decide, you know, that they're going to step out and use their platform and you've done it and you've been really amazing at it. So um, what made you think that it was important and that this is something you wanted to, to do? Um, you know, I heard this quote the other day and I, I'm going to try not to butcher it, but, and I'm not calling myself this, but it gave me a lot of perspective to why I do what I do. Um, and they said, what's the difference between a hero and a villain? So they said, well, what they both have in common is that they went through something really traumatic, right? Mm. Something, something really bad happened to them, something traumatic, something hard. And out of that, they either chose two things. One is to make sure it never happens to anyone else. Two, to get revenge. I choose to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. Uh -huh. And because of that, I have to speak up, right? So yeah. because of that, I speak up for songwriters. I speak up for women. I speak up for people who maybe um, aren't at that place yet where they feel comfortable fighting for themselves. And, you know, I have had a really hard life as a kid. Uh -huh. um, so it's like before I got into the music business, I already survived a war. So I came into the industry kind of with a different skin. Yeah. Understanding of myself, a different understanding of faith. A yeah. Understanding of purpose. Um, and I grew into it, you know, over the years. But yeah. once I grew into it more, I'm like, okay, there's a bigger picture here. How can we be useful? How can we be impactful? How can we be of service? Um, my my dream i don't i don't wake up every day and think how can i have the biggest songs on the radio mm -hmm. i'm not thinking about those things of course i want hits and success and i'm constantly working to make the best music i can but i'm also working to make this industry a, a manageable one and a livable one for everyone right where it's not all the time and songwriters right now are in a position where i'm afraid if you're starting out today and you said, I'm going to be a songwriter, I'm not confident that the most of those people are going to be able to make a living. Right. I started, you could. So the problem with that is so huge because if the only people who can afford to make music come from money, <laughs> that immediately eliminates me when I started. Wow. Right? Yes. Only people who are privileged are going to be able to make music. And when only people of privilege can afford to make music, there goes culture. There goes the stories we need to hear. And things are going to become very, very different and very scary. So songwriter advocacy is bigger than just songwriters. It's advocating for cultures, advocating for the world. And it's really advocating for people of color because we're most affected when anything like this hits the fan. Right. 100%. And yeah, I, you know, the way that you put it, it's, it's so true. And so many different areas are being affected in similar ways where the entry point, um, well, it makes it so that yes, only certain people can even consider uh, pursuing certain careers, um, 
and it's going to make perspectives, the perspectives and the stories very narrow. Um, and that's not a true reflection of the world we live in. And, and it's also just not going to allow for the best work to really go to really be shared, you know, uh, because you're not getting it from everyone who's capable of doing the work. You're getting it from the people who can afford to, to do that, you know, to do, to be songwriters. And that framing is, um, powerful. It's definitely powerful and so important. And it's actually, even though, I mean, I know what songwriters are up against right now and it's just so archaic um that this is how the payout happens and but even just the way that you sort of like the perspective you gave made me even more like it makes it even more it really ups the urgency the importance because it's it is very much like it's a big picture. It's not just about, you know, people getting paid. It's about, it is about culture. And so, um, and stories and voices. I think what you're doing is is super important. I love that you're using your platform. Um, and you're, you're like, I mean, you have gone up to DC to advocate um, what did you do? You, you were there last year. Uh, can you break it? Yeah. Last year I was, I had the opportunity to, um, attend Grammys on the Hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, myself, Fran Drescher, uh, who's killing it right now. Sad. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Jimmy Jam, a ton of, a, a bunch of writers, producers, Harvey Mason Jr. We go and we basically have bills that we, are trying to pass and we meet with with members of Congress and we propose them and explain and you know I'm not a politician so the best I can do is tell them my personal experience and how these bills being passed would affect me and my friends and tell them my story and hopefully what it does is it puts a face to a piece of paper as opposed to just reading something and going oh I don't know whatever but I'm like no I'm from the Bronx, <laughs> this, this is what I have come up against and now I'm here in my life. Uh -huh. and if you pass or don't pass this, this is how it will affect me. And this is the trickle down effect of it happening or not. Right. Just making it very, you know, very human. Uh -huh. um, and having these conversations, you know, I, I, I was with all Democrats. I got to speak to four different congressmen. Um, I didn't get to talk to people who were necessarily opposing us, but um, I'm, I'm really would look forward to doing that next time if I get the opportunity. What's been rewarding about being a songwriter and, and producer and music creative? Oh my God, it is the most amazing thing to wake up every day and make music. It is the most, I can't, you know, all the bullshit, all the fucking assholes, like everything, <laughs> everything I went through and mm -hmm. still go through is worth it because I get to wake up every day and make music with my friends. I get to sit and listen to beautiful voices, sing songs we're writing. I get to go watch them perform. I get to turn on the TV and hear my songs at commercials. 
I get to go to Disneyland or Great Adventures and see my songs everywhere. Like this is insane. Like insane. <laughs> it's it's nuts still to like I'm I'm like I've had Google, Gap, you know, Lincoln, like brands like I can't even I mean me like <laughs> getting to have songs like with all these cool people and songs and movies and you know coming a girl from the, like the worst neighborhood in the United States um with from nothing to have that is like incredible and it's just such a blessing to be able to live your dream every day and that is for me like pure pure gratitude and pure happiness you know it's not about necessarily to me success is just it's just waking up and doing that right right like it's great absolutely wow um what have you learned about yourself on this journey um what i learned about myself is that i am like the, the, like I'm the mom of the industry my friends call me like I'm just a mom like I want to help everyone I want to make things better um I'm definitely leading with love but sternly mm-hmm. at times and you know I just want I want everyone to have the best time doing doing the best job in the world you know I really do I want everyone to just like let's make this great how can we make this great for everyone mm-hmm. um, music just brings music is is the thing that like it it bypasses politics it by like nothing is as powerful as music like if you want a message to reach the world like you know imagine you know john lennon imagine like that song everybody knows that song but Mm -hmm. try to try to pass some sort of law or some sort of ideology or something like not everybody's gonna know that you know but music can do that so um it's just such a beautiful gift and yeah i'm just i'm just what i've learned about myself is that that is the most important thing to me so everything i'm doing is to help preserve that and and to maintain that feeling and and share that with everyone else who's involved and i'm sure that's really appreciated uh because i'm i feel like everyone sort of needs uh that kind of energy and like you said it might be stern but sometimes people need to hear certain things um whether it's what they want to hear or not I think I'm sure that that's appreciated by the people around you the people in your life yeah and it might be you know with that said it might be a male in the industry who has done wrong to someone and confronting them Mm -hmm. you're making this place not nice for everyone right (laughs) And, and it, it, I have done that, you know, yeah. it's startling, yeah. you get a bit freaked out. Um, and I have mommed people. Yeah. Who am I? I don't know. It's important. Well, you're, you are in a, yeah. And you're in a place to be able to do that. You know, I think in the early stages, you're just not in that place yet, uh, where you feel empowered to be able to use your voice and to speak up when you see certain things. Whereas, you know, the great thing is you are, you are, you know, that's the reality of it. And it's like, yeah, you know what? So I'm there for not just going to show up for what you need, but I'm also going to let you know, you know, like what's on my mind and what comes with me, you know what I mean? And what comes with me is that I'm going to speak up and I'm going to use my voice and tell, you know, I might have to tell you about yourself too. So you are 
um, super busy. Uh, you're always in sessions and um, it seems like, you know, you do a good amount of traveling, it seems as well. So what do you do to recharge? How do you take care of yourself? Um, I, I, I love a massage. Love a massage. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I have a lady who comes to the house sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or I'll go to like a Thai massage. I'll take any massage. Listen, I'm like, yes. I'm with you. I'm with you. You have to tell me about some good spots. Okay. There's a there's a woman. She's really affordable and she comes to the house. She's great. Okay. Number. Um, I also like I'm really into superheroes and I will binge a lot of superhero stuff. Like I love, I have a, in my studio, I have a whole Marvel wall. What? Um, okay. And, um, and just taking time. Like, honestly, like if I want to just take two or three days and literally do nothing and lay on my couch, I feel no guilt about it at all. I've never felt guilt about doing nothing. That's never. Very progressive of you. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I'm very ambitious, but at the same time, I could easily do nothing for my whole life and be okay. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm also okay just being, and that's fine too. Um, yeah, just taking time and doing nothing, you know, uh, relaxing, just whatever your body's telling you. If your body's saying, you know what, just, just rest, just watch TV, just relax or, um, or go out, go, if you, if you need some girl time. Just kind of listening to like what you, what your body and what your soul needs, you know, yeah. and not feeling any type of way about it. Yes. I feel like what I'm, my, my takeaway, I feel like I'm getting that one of your like superpowers is listening in the sense of like, even in, in the way that you approach going into your sessions and being able to get a sense of what's needed and being able to work with your artists and and having the ability to bring certain things out of them and really, and then even just what you're saying now about like listening to yourself, it doesn't come naturally to everyone. And it seems like, you know, it's almost like a theme. So yeah. I think it's just something interesting that I am taking note of. Yes. Listening matters. Yes. Listening matters. Yes. We are going to wind down. And I do want to ask if there's, Anything you have coming up um, or anything you're working on right now that you're excited to share, whether it's music, projects, um, new classes you're taking, because I know you, you know, you like DJ as well. Um, you know, just like, what are you, what are you up to that you're excited about? Um, I just, I just signed with Spirit Publishing, which I'm really oh, yes. Yay. Just Amazing. Started. Congratulations. So excited, and I just started working with range management. So I have new management and new publishing, which is a whole new, you know. I love my team now. I'm so happy. Um, they're just, a great team. Oh my god, Corey Litwin and Kai and everyone at Range is just so dope. Um, I'm just loving this new era of like no boxes. And you know, what I love is like if I say, Oh, I, I'm I want to work on a night a TV idea. I get a know, then I'm talking to people in television and I'm, you know, I have people now like helping me with stuff. Um, so in the past, especially, you know, when I started, it just was so, it's like, oh, you just write one kind of music. You just yeah. do, 
just do that. And right. but we don't just do one thing, right? We do, right. women do whatever we want to do. Stop yeah. trying to do what I do. <laughs> Stop. I Stop trying to tell me what I do. So now I'm just in this place of like, of exploration and um, no limits and my whole team has no limits. And it's just so exciting. I'm developing an artist who I'm obsessed with. He's 16. Um, and I cannot wait for that to come out and tell you all about him. Well, I can't wait to hear. He's just a superstar. And I'm starting to work on like, you know, very early days of like some television ideas, um, comedy, stuff like that. And um, working on a couple albums for other artists and looking to write more for film and film and TV. You know, I, I still have, a, I have a lot of dreams I haven't fulfilled. Um, I really want to write epic, like end of title theme songs, you know, like incredible, just emotional records. Wow. Um, so that's like the next phase is just growing, growing into, growing into there. You know, I don't do a ton of like artist sessions every day. Um, it's gotta be really intentional. Like an artist that I really, that I would invest my own money in yes. and that I can hopefully like do a bulk of the project or something like we got a connection. I'm looking for those type of projects. Right. Right. Song and whatever. I'm not going to see this person again. I'm looking for like career building relationships. So yeah, just kind of focusing on, 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 on those kind of things. And I have a couple of those going on right now. So we'll see where they land. Um, cause they're, you know, they're also like, you put all your eggs in them. So it can go one way or the other. Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot more pressure for sure. But I'm feeling creatively excited and free and empowered. And it's so, so, so hard to get here. It's so hard. I mean, I'm also doing a lot of philanthropy. I just um, helped put together the Ali Willis Foundation camp, which took me six months to do. This was a six month project and it's still ongoing. But last week we had that, it was like two months of online mentoring. We had over 500 applicants. We, we picked 14 writers. And then we flew them to LA last week. And it was an experience of a lifetime. It was incredible. Like they got a shopping spree. They got what? studio writing sessions. They had mentors. They had breakfast every day. I mean, this was like, this was Disneyland of writing camps. And I'm so happy I got to be a part of like um, giving someone this opportunity. So it was, it was really beautiful. And, you know, working with Sona, Songwriters of North America, we're going to have a Sona Warrior Awards. I'm, I'm the head of the events committee. So we're, we're, we're having an awards this year. And then we are bringing the Ivor Novellas to America, which is a huge thing. The Ivor Novellas are the most prestigious, incredible awards for songwriting in the UK. Yeah. Um, this, you know, the Sting was, was honored this year um, as, with, along with Ray. Um, and uh, it's it's just an incredible, incredible show. So we're working on honoring songwriters by bringing it to the U.S. because we don't have anything quite like that in the United States. So that's, that's an undertaking. There's just a lot of like <laughs> a you lot of a lot. How do you even do? How do you do so? I mean, this is a lot. It all is. It's all things that are important to you and that you're passionate about. I'm sure that that's what helps you get it all done. Yeah. I do write fast. I will say that 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 helps me a lot. Is that I write alone and I write fast a lot. So be, because of that, I'm able to like go in and out and and 
just dip. I'm like, okay, boom, two hours here. And I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. Right. right. That helps me a lot. Um, and I have a production partner. So, you know, he, Kizo, shout out to Kizo. So like, say we, we're working on a project and I'll write and I'll do what I'm going to do. And then I'm like, okay, I got to go focus on, let me help with the, with the award show, bringing it to this. I got to go travel out to London right now, blah, blah. And then he'll hold down our projects finish recording all the vocals, doing all this other stuff, you know, and he, it gives me a lot of space to like come back and do stuff. So it's, it's, it's the team building, which is, which is helping me um, keep things going. So unfortunately our connection was lost and Autumn had to head out because she needs to get to a session. But as you heard, we were actually winding down. I don't think there was anything else we could have possibly covered. Thank you all so much for listening. And once again, Autumn, thank you so much for your time. Had a great conversation.